Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My name is Frank K., and I've always been a skeptic when it comes to anything unexplained. That was until I was taken to a site where a hunter was charged by a creature he claimed to be a seven-and-a-half-foot Bigfoot. This experience has left me questioning everything I thought I knew. It all started when my friend, a fellow hunter, called me up and insisted that I come with him to the location where he had experienced something terrifying. He said that he had shot a buck, but before he could even approach it, a massive creature emerged from the woods and charged at him. He barely managed to escape, and he wanted me to see the evidence for myself. I agreed to go with him, mostly out of curiosity and the assumption that he must have been exaggerating or mistaken about what he saw. We packed our gear and headed out to the site. As we arrived, I noticed a strange tension in the air, a feeling I couldn't quite put my finger on. My friend led me to the spot where he had shot the buck, and what I saw there left me speechless. The deer was mutilated, its body broken in ways that seemed unnatural and brutal. Nearby, there were broken trees and tracks that didn't resemble any animal I had ever seen. To top it off, the deer carcass was partially covered with sticks, as if someone or something had tried to hide it. 
My friend, visibly shaken, recounted his experience with the creature. He said it looked like a mix between a man and a dog with massive hulking limbs and a snarling canine-like face. He called it a dogman, a term I had never heard before. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, but the evidence in front of me was hard to ignore. As we investigated the site further, we noticed a pungent, musky smell in the air. It was then that we heard a low growl echoing through the woods. My friend and I exchanged worried glances, suddenly aware that we were not alone. We decided it was best to leave the area immediately, not wanting to risk another encounter with the dogman. That day changed everything for me. I've spent countless hours researching dogman sightings and encounters since then, trying to understand what we experienced. It was an early Saturday morning, and I found myself at the Malala River campsite, about 20 miles south of Malala, Oregon. I was there with a group of friends from the local TV station, filming a piece on the great outdoors and the beauty of the Pacific Northwest. Little did I know that our tranquil weekend getaway would soon turn into a harrowing experience that none of us would ever forget. We had spent the day hiking, fishing, and enjoying the scenic beauty of the area. As the sun began to set, we gathered around the campfire, sharing stories and laughter late into the night. Eventually, one by one, we retreated to our tents, exhausted from a long day of adventure. I awoke suddenly around three or four in the morning, disoriented and unsure of what had roused me from my slumber. That's when I heard it, a low, guttural, growling sound that seemed to come from just outside my tent. I lay there, frozen in fear, my heart pounding in my chest as I tried to make sense of the noise. Then I heard the screams. I scrambled out of my sleeping bag and rushed outside, only to see that the tent belonging to some of my TV crew friends was being violently shaken by an unseen force. The growling grew louder, and I could hear the terror in my friends' voices as they cried out for help. Gathering my courage, I picked up a nearby flashlight and shone it towards the tent. The shaking stopped abruptly, and I caught a glimpse of a large, dark figure retreating into the shadows of the forest. The growling faded away, leaving an eerie silence in its wake. My friends emerged from their tent, visibly shaken and pale. They told me that they had been awoken by the growling and had felt something powerful and menacing pressing against their tent, as if trying to get inside. We couldn't determine what had attacked them, but we knew we needed to leave the campsite immediately. As the first light of dawn broke through the darkness, we hastily packed our belongings and made our way back to civilization. I never thought my role as a park ranger would lead me to encounter such unfathomable horrors. It all began on an ordinary day in Yosemite National Park when I stumbled upon a serene and seemingly harmless lake nestled deep within the wilderness. The water was pristine, reflecting the surrounding landscape with an almost ethereal beauty. Little did I know that this lake held a sinister secret, one that would unleash a nightmarish struggle for survival. Curiosity got the better of me, and I gazed into the lake's reflective surface, hoping to catch a glimpse of the park's natural wonders. But what I saw instead chilled me to the bone. The reflection that stared back at me was not my own. It was an image of my deepest fear, the fear of losing my loved ones to some unexplainable tragedy. Shaken by this encounter, I shared my discovery with my fellow rangers. We were a tight-knit group always ready to support one another in the face of challenges. But as more rangers visited the lake, 
It became evident that this seemingly innocent body of water held a malevolence that defied explanation. Each ranger saw a reflection that preyed upon their innermost fears and regrets. Some saw past traumas, others their worst mistakes, and a few were confronted with the haunting memories of lost loved ones. The lake fed off our vulnerabilities, growing stronger with every soul it ensnared. As we grappled with our psychological demons, paranoia took hold of the group. Trust waned, and the park that had once been a sanctuary became a battleground of fear and despair. Some rangers began to withdraw, avoiding the lake at all costs, while others seemed drawn to it, unable to resist the hypnotic allure of their own reflections. It became clear that the lake's malevolence was not confined to mere reflections. It had a presence, an insidious force that seemed to seep into our minds, manipulating our thoughts and emotions. We fought to retain our sanity, but with each passing day the struggle intensified, and our grip on reality slipped further away. As the lake's power grew, so did its thirst for more fear. It began to manifest eerie apparitions mirroring our deepest nightmares. Phantom figures roamed the park, tormenting us with haunting whispers and chilling laughter. With communication among the rangers breaking down, I found myself isolated and vulnerable. I knew that succumbing to the lake's malevolence would mean my demise, but escaping its clutches seemed an impossible task. Driven by desperation, I delved into the park's history, hoping to find clues about the lake's origin and any means to break its hold. The deeper I dug, the more I discovered about an ancient legend that spoke of a malevolent entity that fed on fear and regret. According to the legend, a dark ritual was once performed near the lake which inadvertently unleashed this malevolent force. It had lain dormant for centuries, waiting for unsuspecting souls to wander into its domain so it could feed off their fears and regrets. Armed with this knowledge, I gathered the remaining rangers and shared the grim truth. We knew we had to break the cycle, to face our deepest fears head on and deny the lake the sustenance it craved. But with the entity's influence creeping into our minds, it was an uphill battle. With courage bolstered by our camaraderie, we faced the lake together. The reflections grew more intense, the apparitions more malevolent, but we refused to back down. It was a grueling mental battle, as we confronted our innermost demons with unwavering determination. In the end, it was our bond as rangers and as friends that proved to be our salvation. We drew strength from each other supporting one another through the darkest of moments. The lake's malevolence finally waned, unable to feed off the fear we had defied. As the sun rose over Yosemite, the malevolent presence dissipated and the lake returned to its tranquil state. The park, once engulfed in darkness, was bathed in the warm light of a new day. We rangers emerged from the ordeal forever changed, our souls scarred by the nightmarish struggle we had endured. The lake's malevolence had been quelled, but its existence would forever serve as a haunting reminder that even in the most serene places, evil can lurk, ready to prey on our vulnerabilities. Together, we vowed to protect the park and its visitors, vigilant against any sign of malevolence that might threaten our sanctuary. And as we patrolled the wilderness, we knew that the bond we shared was the key to surviving the shadows that lurked in the darkest corners of our own minds. The solitude that comes with living in a national park can be both intoxicating and haunting. 
I spent three months as the sole human inhabitant in one, a seemingly endless expanse of nature that was both my home and my sanctuary. The experience was mostly peaceful, the silence broken only by the sounds of the wind, the trees, and the occasional wildlife. But there was something else that often punctuated the quiet. Music. It was a melody as soft and tinkling as a music box, or perhaps a distant ice cream truck on a hot summer day. But the peculiar thing was it always seemed to echo from somewhere above me, a melody floating on the breeze, an auditory illusion that was both fascinating and slightly unsettling. One day, driven by curiosity, I decided to track the source of the enigmatic music. I followed the dirt road that wound past my humble trailer, guided only by the elusive, ethereal melody that continued to waft through the trees. But as I ventured further, it was difficult to gauge if I was getting closer, or if the source was just as elusive as before. My eyes were fixed on the treetops, straining to locate the origin of the strange sounds when my gaze was drawn downward. A snake lay stretched out in the path ahead. I stumbled backward in surprise, but the creature made no move. It took me a moment to understand why. The snake was dead. My heart pounded in my chest as I looked around and saw that the snake wasn't alone. Half a dozen dead copperheads lay strewn across the road, their lifeless bodies all aligned in the same direction. It was as if they had been journeying somewhere only to be simultaneously struck down. Fear snaked its way up my spine, replacing my curiosity with a primal instinct to retreat. I couldn't bring myself to step over the ominous assembly of deceived serpents. Turning around, I rushed back to my trailer, intent on using my car to navigate past the eerie spectacle. But as I fumbled for my keys, the music abruptly ceased. The ensuing silence was almost deafening, filling the space the melody had previously occupied. The sudden stop seemed to echo the strange, unsettling event I had just witnessed. Despite my numerous walks afterward, the music never returned. The only reminders of that day were the silent woods and the memory of the bizarre serpentine gathering on the road. The experience became another secret shared between the park and me, an enigma that underscored the underlying mystery and magic of nature. This started as early as my childhood, and reckon I'm what my religion or community describes as special. I have the ability to see the paranormal. However, I'm taught to be as logical and scientific as possible since young. I often try to explain my special encounters as reflection of light. My eyes are blurry, bad lightnings. So let me tell you a bit more about my vision since young. Often than not, I see black mist figures, and I can't exactly see their facial expression, just a vague human-like body covered with either black or white cloth, and they merely appear for a blink of an eye. However, this one incident had me convinced that truly, whatever I have seen or encountered was not just my imagination. In my Asian community, we tend to stay at our parents till we are married or whenever we are financially stable of affording one. Houses in the Asian community are not cheap at all. So being a college undergraduate, after working on my thesis till 3 a.m., I decided to call it a night, switch on my night lights and get ready for my night reading. Halfway through, a white figure with a distorted face and leaning hair came floating into my room. I definitely had my window closed since I lived in an air-conditioned room. It was staring at me as it make its way to the side of my bed, slowly, gently, and silently. Fear intertwined my every cells, my body unable to obey my commands. The bloodshot eyes locked with mine, and abruptly, 
She let out an eerie shriek for a minute or two and disappeared into thin air. My parents, upon hearing the shriek, came rushing in as I burst into tears. Till this date we have no explanation whom it was or what's its purpose. When I was a police officer, I had the ability to bond with folks with mental health issues. They would calm down and the situation would defuse itself. There was one older woman. She had an apartment, but would wander the streets at all hours. She would scream at passing cars, go into businesses and, and start asking for money and steal people's food, etc. She also shoplifted a lot. Needless to say, she got arrested a lot. When she would be arrested, she would fight like a wildcat injuring herself and the officers arresting her, except for me. I would say, Annie, you're going to have to go with me now, and she would. The first time I arrested her, I asked if she had eaten, and she said no. So I stopped at KFC and got her a two-piece and a biscuit, drove real slow to the jail so she could eat. After that, when she got caught stealing, she would request me to take her in. I didn't mind because no one got hurt, and he didn't bathe real regular, Sort of freaking up, she would splash herself with Stetson after shave. The combination of her body odor and the Stetson could really gag you. Fast forward, and I've gotten promoted to sergeant. Right after coming on for afternoon shift, we get a fatal car accident. Annie had walked into the street at rush hour and been run over by a truck. Pretty bad scene. The wheel crushed her head, and I couldn't help but be depressed, because while she could be a pain, she couldn't help it. It was just sad. When I got promoted... I was issued an unmarked car to replace my marked unit, 361. I I was out on the road later that evening when dispatch got a call that someone was breaking into one of the cruisers parked behind the station. They said the person was in the back seat, sitting. I was close and responded. The citizen pointed out the cruise, and it was my old one, 361. When I got to it, no one was in it. I opened it up and was immediately hit with the overpowering smell of Stetson aftershave. When I was just a kid, roughly 14, I am now 20. My dad and I went archery hunting on state game land a couple miles from our house. There were a lot of tram roads from people mining for coal back in the days. That said, we were a mile from the main road where we had our tree stands at my dad's stand was about 100 yards east of mine. Anyway, it was getting dark, so I knew to head out of the stand and meet my dad at the truck. I heard all this crashing and thought one. My dad was meeting my, at my stand for once and two. He was making a lot of noise. So I turned my head and boom, I see two little bear cubs play fighting with one another. They couldn't have been a year old. Truly a beautiful sight to see. However... What terrified me the most? Where was Mama Bear? I immediately called my dad, freaking out. He said, Well, you're an idiot for staying in the woods this long. Should have been at the truck by now. Just make your way towards me. I'll meet you on the trail. The cubs were far enough out to where I could still see them, but there was a good distance between us. With my arrow still notched and my three-pocket knife in my hand, I climbed out of my stand and tried to be as quiet as possible. I met my dad and we made it home. I have never been more terrified of the woods, except when I run into a spiderweb hanging face, level in the middle of a trail, heart attack, every time. I once went up to a small mountain town in Colorado with my dad to stay for a few days. We have a cabin up there, and so we had a place to stay. 
After we got settled in and were in our beds, my dad opened all the windows. They had screens to let natural air blow through the cabin. Two of these windows were in the bedroom with us, one of them very large and was directly above the main bed where I slept. Two weird things happened that night. I was kind of restless that night, so I woke up at random times before falling asleep again. At one point, I woke up, and it was sometime early in the morning, and I heard rustling outside. I didn't think anything of it until I realized they were footsteps. I started to listen a little more closely and realized they didn't sound like an animal walking, but more like something standing up and kind of shuffling through the leaves. I was a little freaked out because it sounded like it was right outside the window. But I started to lose consciousness again and concluded it may have been a deer. Some time passed and I woke up again to hear more rustling, then suddenly a dog's howl, like a wolf or a coyote, howling right outside the window. In my head, I just thought, nope. Then there was another howl, and another, and another, and another. More and more howling just kept popping up, and it kept getting louder and louder. I was too tired to be freaked out, so I just grabbed another pillow and slammed it on my head to cover my ears. I told myself, nope, I don't have time for this, and tried to block out the noise to go back to sleep. It eventually died down, and I passed out again. The next morning, I was telling my dad about the rustling. As I started to tell him about the howling, he piped up and said, Did you also hear that howling? I said, Yeah, before he gave a nervous chuckle about it and went back to his stuff. Honestly, I'm more freaked out about what the rustling and walking prior to the howling could be, because windows are about normal height and someone who's tall could easily have looked in on us sleeping. I was working in a mall under construction, and it was slowly becoming winter where I am. So that means 5 p.m. the sun goes down and 6 p.m. was dark. It was after 5 p.m. and the mall didn't have lights, so we had to work by our work lights. We were the last guys on site, and because he has first aid, my boss and I could work alone. At one point, my boss asked me to go do something in the bathrooms at the back. The bathrooms were down this long hallway, this really long hallway, lots of turns and such, with no lights besides my phone. So I got to the one bathroom, and I was underneath the sink just trying to level out the counters when my phone crashed and it had to restart. I noticed I had like 4% battery, so I turned off the light and figured I'd open a door further down the hallway, and it would give me some light that I could get used to. At this point, I just needed the silicon the counter to the cabinet, so I didn't need much light. I hear something down the hallway after like five minutes. I figured it was just my boss, so I continued work. It was super dark at this point so any light from the outside was pretty much gone. I looked over the doorway, and I'm under the sink across the room, and in the doorway I can barely make out a huge person standing there. My boss was five feet six, so it wasn't him. I laid there pretty freaked out, and then the figure moved, and I asked if someone was there. Then I heard running, pitch black footsteps hurriedly running away from me. I freaked out, so I went to call my boss, because he was like ten minutes away from me, and I didn't know where we was at the time, but my phone had died. So now I have to make it back to my boss, but there's someone in between me and him, because the dude ran off away from the door. That walk back to my boss was probably one of the freakiest things, because I was expecting someone to jump out and step me. I made it back to my boss, and he's like, oh, you're finished, and I told him my story. So he told me that we can just finish up tomorrow, and we decided to leave. We packed our tools and brought them with us. The next day, there was a toolbox meeting for all of the trades to attend, and some toolboxes had been stolen, as well as copper pipe. 
The door that I had opened for light the previous day led to an area where there was a lot of HVH units. However, the area wasn't very sealed off. You could walk in off the street. What I think happened is some dudes were stealing copper pipe in that area, and when I opened the door, they got spooked. So someone came in to check it out, and when they heard me ask, they booked it and went into the mall. When I left, they must have had another guy come in and help get some toolboxes, because a big one was missing. I was super out of shape at the time, and I was recovering from a dislocated pelvis that had been set recently, so it freaked me out, because if that dude fought me, I would be. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Died immediately. It was a chilly autumn night, and my girlfriend and I had just finished watching a movie at the local theater. As we walked to my car, we couldn't help but feel the eerie atmosphere that enveloped the town. The moon was full, casting an ethereal glow on the deserted streets. As I drove my girlfriend home, we chatted about the movie and our plans for the weekend. The conversation was light and easy, providing a welcome distraction from the unsettling ambience outside. As we turned onto a particularly dark stretch of road, I felt a shiver run down my spine. Suddenly, without warning, a transparent figure appeared in the middle of the road. It was a girl with long, flowing hair and a white dress that seemed to shimmer in the moonlight. I froze, unable to react, and before I knew it, my car had passed right through her. I glanced nervously in the rearview mirror, but there was no trace of the girl. I knew I hadn't hit anything, at least not anything physical. In a desperate attempt to make sense of what had just happened, my mind raced to find a logical explanation. Steam from a sewer. Fog. A plastic bag. I must be going crazy, I thought. The silence in the car was deafening as I struggled to find the words to say. Finally, my girlfriend broke the silence with a trembling voice. Was that a ghost? I swallowed hard, my heart pounding in my chest. I... I don't know. I thought I was just imagining things, but if you saw it too... We exchanged a look of disbelief and fear as the reality of our encounter sunk in. We had both seen the same apparition... And there was no denying it now. That night, our drive home was filled with uneasy silence, punctuated only by our racing thoughts. I lived in a big 1840s colonial house with three of my friends for a while. It was set back in 50-plus acres of state wildlife property, and it was a gorgeous house. The bedrooms were all upstairs and all lined up down the hall. Or a third night in the house, right about 30 minutes after we had all sort of called it a night, 
My doorknob rattled like someone was fiddling with it. Then I heard the door next to mine rattle, and the next, and the next, all the way down the hall, one at a time. The next morning, one of my housemates asked why I was messing with the doors, since she had asked the two guys in the house, and neither of them knew what she was talking about. One night I woke up with an intense urge to get out of bed like my brain screaming at me to get up. I laid still for a while, thinking maybe I had been woken up by a noise, but it was around 3 a.m. and dead quiet. I went into the hallway, and Ed, as soon as I walked out into the hall, all of my roommates opened their doors and came out too. We were all woken up, but no one heard anything, and they had the same urgent get-up feeling I did. We just shrugged and went back to sleep. Weird things would happen there. Strange objects would show up in the basement or crawl space like old, old suitcases or a kid's rocking chair once a vase. Just random stuff. You would occasionally hear footsteps running down the bedroom hall and down the stairs if you were in the living room below. I could go on. That house was really strange. Never felt threatened. Just weird. Walking the property, I was a caretaker of. Saw a car that was very out of the ordinary and I didn't recognize on the land. The land is a good mile and a half down, some not-so-very-friendly roads and behind a locked gate, which freaked me out a bit. I'm inspecting the car a bit and this man comes lumbering at me, wielding a rifle in near-pitch black conditions and says he's going to shoot if I don't defend myself. I have to calmly explain him. He's trespassing and I'll call the cops if he doesn't leave right away. He apologized for the mix-up since he thought he was on the neighbor's land, but of course this is after I had a hunting rifle aimed at my skull on land he wasn't welcome on. I was hiking in Florida, just trail blazing through a wildlife corridor close to Peace River when I was 18 and I came across a dead wild hog. It looked like something had ripped it apart, throat ripped, marks all along. Its sides and guts spread out. In the corner of my eyes, I saw a bit of tawny fur and the soft sound of something heavy moving quietly. I realized that I walked into a Florida panther eating its meal and how bad the situation was. At the time, all I used to carry was a knife. Now, the days I carry a handgun for protection. Anyways, I keep the big cat in view as best as I can and start making my way out of the game trail I'd followed so I could get back to my truck. The panther followed me for about ten minutes and the whole time I felt like running, but I knew it would try to pounce me if I did, so I had to constantly look in its direction and keep track of it while barely seeing it in the woodlot. I never felt so small in my life. My husband and I were hiking in the Smokies this past May. We always started late, so most other people were finishing up their hikes by the time we got started. So we were on a pretty unpopular path and saw a few people in the beginning. But after 30 minutes or so, we were the only ones on the trail. A good bit of the trails in the part of the park we were in were closed anyway due to a severe windstorm the week prior. It started out as a nice, easy hike. We went up through some creepy, crispy hemlock patches that the wildfires had passed through last fall. These were slightly creepy, but mostly awesome, especially since hemlock are all twisty in the first place and these were charred. Then we started back down and about an hour in came to a sign that said cemetery. I had researched the trail on a few weave sites and hadn't seen anything about a cemetery. It seemed fun spooky, so we followed the arrow, but the trail became extremely overgrown. 
We turned around, and after five minutes of where we picked up the trail, we had to crawl under a huge downed tree and cross a creek, where the trail inexplicably split. No signs. Not supposed to be a fork here. We hadn't seen anyone in over an hour, and after our brief encounter with the cemetery trail, we started to get a bit freaked out. We realized that we aren't going to make it out before dark if we took the wrong fork. And still, why was there a fork? And where is this mystery cemetery? Anyway, we did take the right fork. The cemetery was right off a road, nowhere near that sign, and we encountered llamas on our safe return. A friend of mine and I were out hiking through the woods. It was dark out, and we were beginning to head back towards home when something came across the path by a fallen tree. It's hard to describe, but it looked like a man in a hooded cloak. It stood, and then slowly and silently moved to a tree and keeled. We couldn't see its face, but we got that feeling it was watching us. We tried to shrug it off and keep moving. Further down the trail, we saw it again. Being in our early teens, we decided stupidly that we were getting to the bottom of this. So we started after it, and it started charging it. We screamed, and it stopped, and then took off into the woods. Feeling brave again, I grabbed a big spear-shaped stick and took off after it. I ran for a bit through the woods until I could see the outline of it once more up ahead through the moonlight. I knelt and watched as another popped up beside it, and then another. Then I heard moving to the side of me. Realizing that whatever these things were, they were surrounding me, I quickly noped the F out of there back in the direction I left my friend. So I know that sounds like the creepy part, but it gets weirder. My friend wasn't where I had left him, so I called out to him. He responded a little way away and followed it with you, gotta see this. So I followed his voice and came out to a clearing. It was bright as F, and floating around the clearing were legit balls of light. Almost like the fairy fountains from the Legend of Zelda. Those red balls afloat near the fountain, except these were pure white light. We looked at each other and then high-tailed it back to the trail and back home. Not the scariest, but definitely the strangest thing I've ever witnessed. So I was camping with about five friends at this lake on the first night on a backpacking trip. There was a different group of backpackers camping across the lake. When night fell, my group went to bed rather early while the group across the lake was being loud and having themselves a good time. About an hour later, right as I was nodding off a gunshot, went off really close to our camp, within 100 feet. It was a pitch-black moonless light. We all stuck our heads out from our tents, saying, What the hell was that? While looking for flashlight from the person who did it and listening for noises. We never saw the light or heard anything. The group across the lake immediately stopped being loud and went to be bed, ASAP probably thinking it was our way of telling them to shut up. We never found out who shot the gun. Not disturbing per se, but let me feeling uneasy, my boyfriend and I were coming down the peak of a day-long mountain hike when we passed a group of young girls going up towards the summit. We make it further down the trail as the sun is starting to set and the chill is setting in and we start to get nervous thinking about them and how unprepared they looked. Yoga pants and crop tops, no warm clothes or backpacks. I was in terrible shape, so when, when we finally got back to the parking lot late into the evening... There was just our car and one other car left, which we assume had to be theirs. The next morning, we have a bad feeling and a sense of guilt, and we go back to the parking lot and see that the same car is still there. My boyfriend calls the rangers and lets them know the whole story and describe the girls. 
They honestly didn't seem very concerned, and we never heard any more info after that. I still worry about those girls and hope they're okay. My wife, grandmother, and friend's wife are the actual witness. I'm just typing what they said to me. My buddy and I had left the wives and grandmother at camp to set out on my evening elk hunt. It was about 2.30 p.m. We had been gone for four hours and then returned to camp to rest. When the ladies ran to us and told me about what they had saw, around 4.30 p.m. they were looking down in the clear cut below the helicopter pad we were camped on when my grandmother said she saw something that might be an elk. When my wife and her friend looked, they both couldn't believe what they saw. It was a hairy thing running from the tree line into the clear cut on two legs. It was sunny and clear. The creature ran through the clear cut very easily, even though there were stumps, logs, brush, and etc. When two dirt bike riders came up a trail that cut through a portion of the clear cut, the creature stopped and ran back to the tree line, and the two riders stopped and started to point in the direction of the creature. Then the creature ran out again, picking a different direction through the clear cut. Now, with the second creature a little smaller than the first, they went through the clear cut faster than any man on two legs could ever go. They then disappeared into the tree line on the other side. This is what I was told. This is not a hoax. The wife's friend is a trained marine like myself and was a non-believer until that day, and there is no question in their minds they said that was a Bigfoot. They had dark, shaggy hair like a bear's. They were on two legs. They swung their arms and stood upright and ran upright. I paced the distance to approximately 200 yards from where they stood and looked for tracks. None were found. The ground was dry and hard to much low-foot brush. You can contact us. This is for real, my wife said. She would talk about it. After my experience, I now believe in aliens and man in black. I live in Kensington. Maryland, the northern suburb of Washington, D.C., in Montgomery County. This event was not a dream or a hallucination. One night in September 2017, I woke up at 1.30 a.m. to the sound of a break-in. I grabbed a handgun from my bedside drawer and went to the bedroom door to confront the intruder, but was suddenly rendered unconscious as I touched the doorknob. I woke up naked and cold in a pill-shaped glass container. The lid was open, so I was able to stumble out onto the floor around the container. I felt drugged and could barely walk, but I thought I'd been kidnapped by someone, so I was urgently trying to find an escape route. The room I was in was made of composite materials, namely concrete and plastic with fluorescent lights. I limped into a hallway that was tunnel-shaped and followed a blue glow coming from down the hall. As I walked, I came out of the tunnel and entered a large cylindrical room lined with vehicles on hooks along the walls. These were human vehicles mostly Japanese and German cars motorcycles, but some vehicles were clearly from the American military. In the center of the room was what looked like a metal tree that was six stories tall with glowing blue leaves. Upon closer inspection, this tree was a large metal cylinder, and the leaves were capsules, much like the one I had woken up in, except these still had people inside them and were radiating a neon blue glow. As I drew my eyes further up the tree, I noticed some blue wires moving around in the dark area toward the ceiling. These clumps of wires suddenly floated down toward me and turned to reveal that they had faces in them, each with two large dark eyes and narrow slits for noses and mouths. It's hard to describe, and I hate to put it this way, but 
Think of a stereotypical gray alien face and picture it floating in a tangled-up mess of tentacles. There were three of them, one smiling and two frowning. There was an exchange of words and charades between myself and smiling one for roughly ten minutes, but I was so exhausted, and they were so advanced that there was no pertinent information shared between us. I passed out, then woke up again, face down on a glass floor. I was too tired to move, so I tilted my head up just enough to take a look around. The room was circular, about 150 square, feet in size, and a bright, sterile white color. One of the tentacle creatures was in the room, but was busy facing away and operating a set of strange controls with no buttons or levers. I laid my head back down, but saw through the glass floor that we had risen out of a deep black hole that was dug into a grassy plain. A rock-shaped lid closed around the hole to cover it as we flew further up. This is when I realized I was in a spacecraft, and we had actually been in a silo of some sort that's here on Earth somewhere. I passed out and was awoken by the sensation of being dropped back, first onto my bed with a hard thud. I checked my phone and it read 6.30 a.m. The whole trip had been exactly five hours. I'm not going into any further detail, but I found an object had been inserted and cauterized into my right leg, and I had... I run and end with some men in black suits within four days of the abduction. I've never believed in abductions, UFOs, or men in blacks. None like that. But now I've got no choice. I'm annoyed that there's no official place to get legitimate information or help on this subject since the experience was traumatic and any kind of clarity would help fix that. Buffon simply ignored me, so I'm reporting this information to you. Hopefully it helps someone somewhere. It was September 1997. Eight people and myself were camping in the Tillamook County Forest. Well, anyway, I got up about 6 a.m., got out my 22, and started out on a hike. Before leaving, I heard a friend say, wait up and I will go with you. I said, fine, but no talking. I want to check out the game in the area before they check us out. About five minutes up the road, I noticed about halfway up a hill was a large rock outcropping with a black stump about nine feet tall. It was around 400 yards from us. I asked my friend, do you see that weird shiny stump on those rocks up there? He said, yes. Then I said, look at it through your scope. Then gun went off. He said he didn't mean to fire and that he couldn't find that stump anymore. In disbelief, I looked and didn't see it anymore. When looking in the only area something could go, I saw it walking very fast, long arms swinging, one basic black color. I said, you shot at that person or whatever it was. We ran back to camp and didn't say much because we did not want to get in trouble. Later, I showed a friend who camps there all the time the place, and he said no one could climb up there early enough to be up there. By 6 a.m., I agreed. He also pointed out that there were no other camper around this area. It is in the canyon area, very steep rocky country, great for elk hunting. I am convinced that this was a Bigfoot. I am convinced that this was a Bigfoot. I've always been a non-believer of Bigfoot, but now I'm convinced. I'm always in the woods elk and deer hunting or scouting camping, etc. I've never seen anything like it, including bears standing on their rear legs, both black and brown in Alaska. This thing was tall, slimmer than bear. Thank you. I was stationed on a Navy submarine base from 1987-89. 
I was part of the Marine Corps Security Force team, and our job was to protect certain tactical weapons. I had a few odd experiences during my two years there. The main area we guarded was three square miles, surrounded by two rows of chain-link fences that were separated by 50 feet and topped with razor wire. The wire, as we called it, was broken up into 50-foot sections. Each section was numbered and had multiple sensors that triggered alarms. There were stadium-type lights that faced out of the wire, so the entire inside was almost pitch black and the outside brightly lit up. The dense tree line outside was cleared back about 100 yards. There were three 60-foot towers, picture and aircraft control tower, with a searchlight on top bulletproof glass, gun ports on all four sides, a locked door at the base, spiral stairs and a trapdoor up top made of bulletproof metal with a gun port. I'm five feet one and had to stand on the heater box to see out the windows as the bottom of the glass was five feet. We were locked and loaded at all times while on duty, as it was a live fire-restricted area, Come over the fence. You will get shot. I was on 12-4 duty in one of these towers the night this happened. The sensor tripped and I investigated with my binoculars. I saw a person standing outside the first wire, but I couldn't see any features, just a silhouette of what looked like a lost hunter, which happened occasionally. I figured he looked like this due to him being close to the wire and the lights shining past him. I radioed to control that there was someone outside the wire and the mobile was dispatched. Mobiles are a truck with two Marines. Alpha driver, bravo. Passenger. I jumped back up on the heater and watched the mobile approach and deploy the bravo in the shadows, and the alpha drove closer and turned on its light. We drove without headlights so as not to give away our position. When he turned the lights on, the guy wasn't there. I had been paying attention to the mobile and the deployment. Not what I should have been doing. The alpha and bravo searched the area with a spotlight and radioed command clear. The mobile then drove to my tower. As soon as it stopped, the alarm triggered again in the same spot. I could see the Alpha look over and could tell that he saw the guy. The mobile raced back to the wire, and I kept my bino on the guy this time. Right when the Alpha turned on his lights, the guy disappeared. I was in disbelief. The mobile came back to my tower, and instead of broadcasting on the radio, we spoke through a tower gun port, me yelling down and then moving my ear to hear. We were discussing what we each saw when the alarm triggered again. The Alpha yelled up that he saw him and took off. I jumped back up on the heater and I was locked on the guy. This time, when he hit the lights, the guy stayed for a fraction of a second. Then he wasn't there. What I saw in that brief moment was what looked like a dark shadow of a person. No face, texture, or anything discernible. Just flat black. The mobile came back to my tower and we did the gunport thing. Going over what we each saw... The rest of that shift was one of the tensest times I ever had. I was constantly watching that area and hoping to not see anything. When we got off duty, the mobile and I were pulled into the corporal's room and asked what was going on. We were all hesitant to say anything, but the corporal let us know that he'd seen his fair share of odd stuff at this duty station. We told him what had happened, and he said he'd cover it in the report. Everything was logged. <sighs> As we were finishing up, the corporal pulled me aside and said, You know, I just realized. The lights hit the bottom of the outside fence, so it couldn't be. He was dark because of being backlit. We both got the shivers, and nothing was ever brought up officially about it again. There were plenty of guys that had things happen to them, several that I was witness to,